Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by international best-selling author Heman Sunim, telling us what to do when things don't go your way. When we are, you know, very young and have a first love and the first love did not work out, we feel as though this is the end of the world. However, we learn that is not the case. We move on. We find some other people. So we begin to see that uh, when things don't go your way, uh, maybe it's not the end. As ever, we're available on all podcast platforms. Just a note before today's podcast, it contains graphic descriptions of violence and murder that some listeners may find upsetting. Today on the Indo-Daily, the brutal murder that shocked a community and robbed four young children of their father. Pat was my husband and my entire world. He was the most loving family man who simply idealised our four children Tom, Leone, Shannara and Pat Jr. When Pat was murdered, my life was shattered. I lost the love of my life and the way in which he died will haunt me forever. I can't begin to understand how anyone could inflict such brutality, such cruelty upon another living being. I'm Fionn Sheehan and today on the Indo Daily, I'm joined by Curtis Reid, journalist at the Belfast Telegraph, to look at the shocking murder of Sligo man Pat Ward. Curtis, can you tell me who was Pat Ward? What do we know about him? Pat Ward was a 30-year-old father of four. Now, he's originally from Sligo uh, and he actually uh, moved to County Tyrone with his wife, Ellie Ward. Now, not a lot is known about when he specifically moved to County Tyrone, but we know that he was, you know, well known in the Sligo area uh, and uh, a popular figure when he lived here in Tyrone. He was a, a champion boxer, won a few championships uh, just in, in his local uh, boxing clubs, and for all intents and purposes, seemed to be a, a well liked um, individual considering the reaction to to his death. Can you tell us when his murder took place and, and where was it? It was early uh, in 2019. Uh, it was early February. Um, and it took place in an area in Clogher uh, called McRae Park. Now, if you're not familiar with the area, uh, Clogher itself is very small, but McRae Park, it's even smaller. So if you have access to like Google Maps or, or any other software, if, if you were to look at it, it is literally just this small little community, this small housing estate almost. Um, and this is where this, this brutal um, attack and, and murder took place. His remains were discovered then in that area, is that right? He was attacked in, in a home in the McRae Park area and his body was physically dragged from that house and placed in an alleyway nearby. And it's important to remember when we use the term alleyway, this isn't some, you know, blocked off place of which there's no public access and, you know, it's completely hidden like you would maybe see in, in crime films. This was a walkway, essentially. Um, that was, you know, within public view. And this meant that his body was discovered the very next morning by a couple who simply were just on their way to work. The nature of this murder was was truly savage and violent and, and, and brutal. Can you, can you tell us what was involved? 
Yeah, so um, as I wrote in the in the Belfast Telegraph, I said that you know if this murder had been depicted in a television series or a video game, it would have been accused of being unrealistic. Mr. Ward endured severe head trauma, stab wounds, and they were all inflicted by an arsenal of weapons that you you simply wouldn't believe. Um, we're talking a machete, a pickaxe, a hatchet, a wooden shaft, a barbell and a kitchen knife. All of these were believed to have been used to kill uh, Mr. Ward in what appeared to be a very savage, brutal attack. Even the, as you said, the arsenal of weapons, it it does imply that this wasn't a, a frenzied incident that took a matter of seconds. It happened over a protracted period of time. Completely. And even, you know, aside from, you know, those weapons being used to to harm and kill Mr. Ward, for somebody to even have weaponry like that in their house at their disposal is is quite shocking in itself. For somebody, you know, if we had read a report about somebody being attacked with a machete in a home, we would think that that's shocking. But a machete on top of a hatchet, a wooden shaft, as well as things like kitchen knives, it's just, it's just extremely shocking. So the body wasn't disposed of in in some far off uh, location. It, it it didn't really take long to f- to find out where he had been killed. No, it didn't. Um, like I said, he was discovered the very next morning by a couple who simply were on their way to work uh, very early that morning. And it's important to remember as well that you know had this couple not seen Mr. Ward's body, his his half naked corpse that just happened to be stumbled upon. You know, we're talking at a time that children would have been leaving to go to school. You know, this this wasn't, like you said, it wasn't a body that was taken off and, you know, completely disposed in the woods or, or in some far off location. This was essentially left in the street around the corner from where he was killed. Yeah. And, and can you describe that house then and what, what was what was discovered at the scene there? So one of the most shocking elements to come out um, during the investigation and and during the the trial of of the two subsequent defenders involved in the murder was that, um, uh, you know, uh, the defense referred to it as every single room in the house was covered in blood. Now, it's not a very large house. um, So, so, you know, I don't want to create the impression that this was, you know, a, a very, very, you know, grand home that was covered completely in blood. Aside from that, for an amount of blood to be found in every single room just really paints a picture of what went on inside that house during Mr. Ward's murder. Yeah, so we're, we're talking regular council estate house and, and laneway down the side. Those were, the, those were the, the crime scenes. I mean, presumably, as you say, this is a small location. I mean, I presume people would have been utterly shocked by this. The community was horrified. I mean, a true, truly, truly horrified. Um, you know, Clocker is, like I said, Clocker is small itself, but for something like this to happen in such a small area within such a small village, the community was just in complete disbelief that something of this magnitude had occurred just simply around the corner from where children play. And when, you know, eventually when details started to come out of what actually, you know, had happened to Mr. Ward, I, I truly think that there was just a sense of absolute disbelief from everybody. Vigils were held, you know, afterwards. And I think it really left an impact on uh, not only the McRae Park area, but the the whole entire Clogger uh, uh, community itself, as well as the wider County Tyrone. Something like this simply doesn't fade into the background of people's memories. Something like this will be remembered for quite some time. 
So the PSNI are investigating. There, there is a body. There is a massive amount of forensic evidence. There appears to be a a location uh, where the attack took place. It didn't take long for them to to find prime suspects here. So who were those suspects? No, not at all. Um, the the investigation very quickly turned to uh, the suspects, uh, Niall Cox and Karen Marie McDonald, um, who were drinking with uh, Mr. Ward that evening in, in Miss McDonald's home in the McRae Park area. So the actual setting for this entire ordeal was was in Miss McDonald's home. Were these people familiar already to the to the PSNI? Yes, both. Uh, Niall Cox had uh, had a you know. A, just been released on on bail a, pr- a couple of days prior to Ward's murder, something that really came up um, during his uh, eventual trial for for the murder of Mr. Ward. Um, he had been referred to by police as somebody that was definitely going to kill someone, and that raises questions as to why he was released. Then subsequently, a few days put back out into the public, and then would go on to to do this atrocious attack. McDonald was also known to the police as well. Um, she had a she had a few uh, incidents of uh, violent uh, offending um, when she was out on bail, actually, as well um, for her involvement in in the Ward case. She uh, she was also uh, charged with a few violent offences during that period. So yeah, so both known to the law, um, both you know had their had their histories and, and prior charges. Um, we also heard how Cox allegedly had you know struggles with mental health and addiction, and. A real theme as well that came out when when both were being both were being tried was that they had an extremely, uh, according to McDonald, volatile relationship that was marred with drink and alcohol abuse. Um, McDonald would even later go on to say that uh, she felt under duress um, because of her relationship with Cox, um, which is why um, her involvement came about. In addition, then there was also. CCTV footage available. What did that show? Yeah, so the CCTV footage, you know, in this entire case really played a significant part. We had CCTV footage from from the beginning of the evening. So that involved Mr. Ward's wife. So so Ellie Ward trying to get a hold of her husband um, is seen on CCTV traveling to the area where McDonald's home was in the McRae Park. She's seen knocking on a neighbor's door asking if anybody had seen her husband because he wasn't answering his phone. She's then seen going to McDonald's home uh, knocking on the door and told in very colourful terms to to leave the property by McDonald uh, by McDonald um, herself. Um, then we also had CCTV footage of which the Belfast Telegraph has uh, published, which is, shows um, Cox and, and McDonald mm-hmm. and their involvement in, uh, in returning from placing the Mister Ward's body in the alleyway. We then move on to the, the basically the, the, the prosecution in court. How did Niall Cox and Karen Marie MacDonald actually plead? Yeah, so both of them at the very start denied their involvement. They they both denied murder. Um, Cox then later changed that um, and, and admitted his involvement whilst MacDonald still uh, maintained uh, her innocence. She still maintained the defence, uh, apologies, that she uh, was under duress um, of Cox. Cox then pled uh, guilty to, to his involvement and he was sentenced yesterday whilst uh, MacDonald was found guilty of manslaughter. During the the course of the trial, so there's a couple of elements that stand out. First of all, what do they claim 
uh, happened that led to the murder. When I was researching this case and, and looking back at some of the reporting, it's it's all very muddled. They they very much they're they're two offenders that you know couldn't sort of stick to the same story. McDonald was adamant that this was all Cox is doing, and she was simply uh, an abused partner who was scared of her partner, whilst Cox maintained relatively relatively uh, a tone of silence. He he didn't really admit much. Both of them still to this day have never really explained why Mr. Ward was murdered. Now, McDonald did come out and say that the entire event was caused by an alleged pass that Mr. Ward made to her that was witnessed by Cox. She then referred to Cox um, as having a gross overreaction to this alleged incident, and that is the catalyst of which uh, the the attack um, started on. But both of them have never really sat down and explained why Mr. Ward was actually targeted and why he was killed. Something that has hounded and deeply frustrated the Ward family and friends. What we did have, though, that was quite categoric, scientific and direct, was the pathologist's report uh, and his account given to court. So uh, what did the pathologist say had happened that that caused this death the pathology report is is really quite something in this case and it really does show the extent and the trauma in which mr ward endured the pathologist uh, professor jack crean uh, said that mr ward had died as a result of injuries sustained in the assault and that included beatings kicks and stabbings um, it had also said that he'd been struck multiple times in the head with a heavy, blunt object, which um, was later revealed um, to be the, the barbell um, in that arsenal of weapons listed earlier. Um, Professor Crane also said there was extensive areas of bruising to his face, um, which they believe was caused by uh, Mr. Ward being also repeatedly kicked. So not only do you have this frenzied attack with these multiple horrific weapons, but you also have a sustained assault on Mr. Ward on top of that, which just really paints a picture of this entire ordeal. You know, a pathology report continued to say that he had a pattern of bruising on his chest that was caused by the sole of an item of footwear. This person is attacking Mr. Ward with these weapons whilst also stomping on his chest. It's horrifying. And then you go into the the extent of his, you know, actual... um, superficial injuries in terms of, you know, uh, his right ear, his cheek, there was the laceration from blunt trauma on the side of his head. He had a V-shaped injury on his forehead. He had stab wounds to his right shoulder. He had an incision on his upper lip, all while this is accompanied by swelling to his nose, his jaw, and both his eyes. Professor Crean said in the court that he had came to the grim conclusion that Mr. Ward had also survived for at least 30 minutes after sustaining the severe head trauma and that he endured unimaginable pain before succumbing to his injuries. So it's it's just unbearable to think about what this man endured in that home. How did the judge sum, sum up the murder and, and what, what was the verdict? Niall Cox was found guilty of murder and he was sentenced to at least 20 years. Now, McDonald was found guilty of manslaughter. But because, um, and she was sentenced to at least 10 years, but because she has already served quite a substantial amount of her uh, sentence now, in terms of, we, we need to sort of look back at this happened in 2019, the Ward family is now very concerned that Miss McDonald will be out and released in just a few months' time. 
Um, in his uh, rulings, the judge said that you know the Ward family had been robbed of their loved one, and he referred to it as a brutal and senseless attack. Um, and he said that he had hoped the sentencing of both Cox and MacDonald offered the family some degree of closure. But he said that he was mindful that it wouldn't take away their heartache or sadness. Now, the real you know emotional message came from when Mrs. Ward, uh, Ellie, who I mentioned earlier, when she addressed the court during the sentencing. She had said that what she had to cope with would break many people. And she was also incredibly frustrated at the idea that McDonald could be back out with the general public in just a few months. She said that on one half of her, she had felt that she had got justice. But because of that, another half of her felt like she didn't. What was the the, the view of the, of the police? Were they, were they satisfied with the the investigation and the ultimate sentencing? They were, I mean, they, they, you know, they, they were thanked in the court themselves in terms of the investigation, but they were extremely mindful of the, the sensitivity around this case and the length of time and the trauma that this family had been put through. Since Mr. Ward's body was found, the family have been extremely vocal about their quest to get justice for, you know, this father of four children that have been now left without a father. Um, you know, the, the police were, were somewhat satisfied, but there was of course, questions uh, that still needed to be answered in terms of their, their reaction and response to this case. The feeling locally, I mean, the, the memory of this incident will, I presume, linger for quite some time. Clawher is a resilient community, like many places in Northern Ireland, and it will it will look at this and it will try to to move on, but always remember it. I think something of this nature, and like I described, something this horrific to take place inside an unassuming home in the McRae Park area, won't soon be forgotten. It will leave a lasting scar on this community for for quite some time. And my thanks to Curtis Reed. I'm Fiannan Sheehan, and today's episode of the Indo-Daily was produced by Garrett Mulhall, researched by Dave Hanratty, with sound by John Smith. Archive clips from independent.ie. If you've been affected by this podcast, you can find a list of helplines by searching Someone to Talk To at our website, independent.ie. If you enjoy the Indo-Daily, don't forget to like, follow, and leave us a review. We're offering Indo Daily listeners 50% off an Irish independent digital subscription. Head over to independent.ie forward slash redeem to sign up for unlimited access to premium content, e-paper, puzzles and more. Just enter the code INDO, that's I-N-D-O, to receive 50% off your subscription. Stay informed and engage. Subscribe today.